Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. We're learning today about the importance of good parental listening skills and how to listen when your teen is ready to talk about their mental health. Emery Gewertz, FACS Director of Behavioral Health, will teach us about active and mindful listening. Emery Gewertz, a native of New Jersey, has been heavily involved in the food allergy community for over 10 years. Emery began her collaboration with FACT as a volunteer teen counselor for FACT's Camp TAG when it launched in 2010 and was a counselor every summer in our New Jersey location through 2018. She has also been a teen leader for FACT's Teen Retreat for the past six years. Emery enthusiastically shares her stories and experiences of living as a young adult with food allergies. Topics she has covered include preparing for college, dating, dining out, and mental health. Emery has lived with anaphylactic food allergies to dairy, fish, shellfish, and peanuts her whole life and has a deep understanding of how to stay safe, healthy, and happy with whatever comes her way. Emery holds a Bachelor of Science in Public Health with a concentration in health communication from the College of New Jersey and a Master's of Arts in School Psychology from Rowan University. Since graduation, Emery has worked to develop health programs in inner-city schools, as well as she has held several small groups on mental health management. Emery is currently pursuing her education specialist degree to become a certified school psychologist. Emery, welcome back once again. We're thrilled to have you on our show today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. Well, we're going to jump right in because this is a topic that is near and dear to many of our hearts. As parents, we're used to being in teaching mode, but today we want to explore how to be good listeners to our teenagers. So can you give us the basics of what good listening is? Absolutely. A lot of us think that we're really good listeners and we want to be really good listeners, but if we're not applying the principles that are needed for good listening, we can fall short. So first, let's explore why we listen. There's a couple reasons that we listen. We listen to obtain information, we listen to understand, we listen for enjoyment, and we listen to learn. So good listeners do five things. The first thing is good listeners pay attention, whether that's looking at the speaker directly, making eye contact, put aside their distractive thoughts in their head, making sure that they're not mentally preparing a rebuttal or mentally preparing in their head what they should say next, or avoiding being distracted by something on the side, whether it be a dog running up or another child coming up to you and asking for something. A good listener pays attention to the person that they're talking to. The second thing a good listener does is they use their body language. They're nodding when you're speaking. They're smiling. Their posture is open and inviting. Their arms aren't crossed. The third thing a good listener does is provide feedback. Because honestly, our personal filters in our mind, our prejudgments, our assumptions, beliefs that we've already had can distort what we hear. Because sometimes we want to hear what we want to hear. And we aren't prepared for the things that our children, our teens might say. So our role as a listener is only one thing, and that's to understand what's being said. So a good listener provides feedback. They ask clarifying questions. 
they reflect on what's being said and they paraphrase. What I'm hearing is, or sounds like you're saying, because they reflect back to make sure that they're actually understanding what's being said rather than passively hearing. And they summarize the speaker's comments periodically, whatever that may be. The fourth thing that a good listener does is they withhold judgment. They allow a speaker, their team, their child, their coworker, whoever it might be, to finish each point before asking a question. And they're certainly not interrupting, and they're certainly not trying to argue within the middle of the conversation. And the last thing, which is the fifth thing that a good listener does, is they respond appropriately. So we want to be candid, we want to be open, we want to be honest when we're listening. Responding appropriately doesn't mean that you necessarily hold back what you, you're feeling. But when you respond appropriately, you treat the other person in the way that you think they want to be treated. Now, notice I didn't say you treat them the way you want to be treated. That's not what a conversation all the time is. If someone's disclosing something deep to you, you need to treat them in the way that you know that they're really going to respond to. Since we're all different, you might like when people give you constructive criticism. But if you know that your friend or your child really is hurt by that, that's not the way that you're going to want to respond in a conversation that's deeper and more meaningful. Thank you for that absolutely exceptional explanation. That was wonderful. As I'm listening to you, things are going through my mind. And then, of course, you get to the topic of listen, right? So I just did it right there. But what I think it was so powerful, one of the things that you said was about getting the clarification. I have found that a real challenge with my teen where I'll listen to what she has to say, and I think I understand, but I really don't. So would you suggest that, especially working with teenagers, that you really stop and make sure you clarify? Absolutely. And it's something you can practice. So you could be talking to your coworker or a friend or your spouse, and you should be asking clarifying questions with them too. It's actually a great way to further develop your listening skills. Studies actually show that when we are in a conversation, we only retain 25 to 50% of what we hear. So you might walk away thinking that you had a great conversation, but when you recall it the next day, you don't remember it in the exact same detail. But when you summarize back, when you ask clarifying questions and really make sure you understand what the speaker, what your team, you know, whoever's speaking to you is saying, then you're going to retain so much more. So not only is it a really great way to start gaining true understanding of your children or your partners, but it's also a really great way to remember more in a way that's going to be long lasting. So Emery, do you have any exercises that we can practice to help prepare us to get comfortable for being effective listeners? Absolutely. Because a lot of the times we might find ourselves responding emotionally to what someone's saying. And that's so something like we just sort of said, we need to practice asking for more information. I may not be understanding you correctly, and I find myself taking what you said personally. What I thought you just said is X, Y, Z. Is that what you meant? So we might want to do that with our teens. So different things that we can do is role play. It might sound silly. It might sound, isn't that what I did in middle school? I'm beyond that. I'm an adult of middle schoolers now. But no, role playing is really important. Look over questions that might be appropriate to be asking. Practice saying it's really normal to feel sad or anxious, tired, stressed, whatever it is sometimes. There are ways to handle it if you want to talk. Practice incorporating regular questions to your teen. We've talked about this on a podcast in the past. Asking how was your day or was your day good aren't good enough questions. Practice asking open-ended questions because that prevents an answer like, my day was good, my day was fine. We want more than that. So 
An open-ended question allows your child to share. So it could be, was anything about your day hard today? Was there anything that you learned that was really exciting? Is there something about today that you want me to know? Tell me something about today. And so different open-ended questions like that prevent the typical responses that are typical of teens, that they don't want to talk, that they brush by. We need to make our questions unique to make ourselves available. One last tip to be an effective listener and to practice a practical tip is neutralize your tone. If we ask our child, our teen, for instance, how was your exam? That could sound a million different ways, depending on the tone you use. It could sound angry. It could sound judgmental. It could sound confusing. It could sound nice for sure. It could sound caring, but it's all about the tone we use. So when we're delving into even deeper topics with our teens, we want to really make sure our tone is neutral so that we don't come off aggressive or like no matter what they're going to say that we're going to judge them. So that's something that we all have to practice. Some of us have natural inflections in their tones. I know that my tone of voice goes up when I'm really excited. Some people's goes down. Some people have a hard time making their tone neutral. But again, that's something we practice. And I think that a lot of us, if we are more mindful of the tone that we use, then our children will respond better to it. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have heard the term active listening. And some of the tips earlier that we went over, like nodding along, open body language, those are typically what you hear about active listening. But in my opinion, we have to go beyond active listening to mindful listening. Because mindful listening isn't just about your body language, but it's how is my tone of voice? Am I present in the conversation? Am I hearing? Am I not formulating what my responses are? So I think that practicing mindful listening is a really great way to move forward in that. I have never heard the term mindful listening, and I'm very pleased that I now understand it. These are very powerful tips. Thank you very much for those. How can we identify when our children are ready to speak up? So that's a good question. The problem is we might not be able to identify it. And children, and more specifically teens, when they're ready to talk about something, they're ready. So we need to always be in the stance of openness that they might come to us. However, if they start to ask leading questions, especially about different topics, for instance, if your child's wanting to talk to you about mental health, mom, have you ever experienced depression? Or they offer up a statement, I don't know why I'm so worried all the time, or I got in a fight today with my friend. Or have you ever been in a fight? Leading questions as well as statements are often an indicator that they are ready to talk and they're looking for you to bring it up maybe. So take that bait. Take that bait when they offer it and run with it. Sometimes we brush things off. If our kid comes home, our teen comes home and they say they got in an argument at the lunch table, sometimes we might say, we might brush it off. Oh, it'll get better. Don't worry. She'll get over it. But when our teens and children offer up a statement like that, it usually is impacting them more than we say. So make sure that when you're offered up that information, that you sit with them in it, no matter if you really do feel like it's something they should easily get over or not. So another thing you can do is, as I previously said, make talking about feelings regular and ask about feelings even when you know nothing's wrong, because that can be great too. We are not, when we ask about feelings, we're not always looking for someone to say, I'm sad or I had a hard day. Sometimes we want to hear about joy too. In fact, I hope a lot of the times we want to hear about joy. So making a regular habit about asking about feelings, even when you know your child is happy or over the moon or maybe experiencing the best week of their life if they got accepted to their dream college or 
different things that are happy in a life. It's their birthday. Ask about their feelings anyway. And when it's a regular step to sharing, then it's going to be an easier time when they talk about negative emotions as well. So it sounds like we really need to set a tone for this communication. So whether they're joyful moments and they're excited or they're looking a little down and they're dropping those hints that we really have to be in a receptive mode. Absolutely. At all times. It's that stance of openness. So based on that, how do we then create a safe and proper environment for the good listening? For my family, 10 p.m. seems to be the magic hour that everyone wants to talk or in the car. So based on that, what would you suggest? A couple of things that I said before. So start asking questions. It's up to us as parents to be the ones that are going to start that. If our kids don't feel like we're a receptive person in general, they're not going to start it. So start asking questions. Again, watch your tone. And then make sure whether it's 10 p.m. or 7 p.m. or 8 a.m. before school, make sure that you're in a neutral environment. There can't be screens. A time for a deep discussion is not when the TV's on or when you're scrolling through Facebook or when your kid is scrolling through Instagram or even when extended family is over. If they're aunts and uncles or grandparents, your teen, your child, they might not want to talk about their struggles or their joy, whatever it may be, if people that they don't have the same level of comfort are there. So it doesn't matter if you have a huge comfort level with whether it's your parent or your sibling, your child might not have the same relationship with their aunt or grandparent to want to dive into the same kind of conversation around them as they would around you. So make sure that you're in the most comfortable setting as possible, whether that's a bedroom, whether that's a late night drive, you'll be able to know what is seemingly right if you pay attention to those cues as we talked again. If your child is an open stance, if their arms are crossed and they are walking away from you, wait a little later and approach them at a time that seems right and seems fitting. So you've given us quite a few tips and skills here. So tell us, what are the do's and the don'ts for good listening? Sure. And these might be more important than anything else. So let's start with the don'ts. Don't ever minimize concerns. Don't ever react out of your own bias or emotion or put blame on anyone else. Also, don't compare your child to someone else in conversation, especially siblings. If you're a parent out there, there's a common saying that you don't love children the same, you love them differently. So when we talk about things, it doesn't matter that their older brother may have one time had an argument with a friend or their older brother may have experienced anxiety because it doesn't mean that this child is going to be experiencing those things in the same way, even if it was a similar situation. Don't interrupt. Good listeners listen more than they talk. And lastly, don't just assume the problem will go away. Stick with them in it. Ask follow-up questions if you need to and follow up the next day. Don't let these situations or these conversations just be once. And then feel like that's enough for your child to move on or your child to make educated decisions about what next steps they're going to take. Stay with them in it. Journey with them. And then what can you do? Constantly validate your child's emotion. We touched on the fact that we might not always resonate with our child's emotions. We might not always feel the same. But validate what they're saying because as much as your feelings are valid, their feelings are valid. And normalize their emotions. Good or bad, they're not alone and they're not the only one that's ever felt this way. Again, we already talked about body language. That's huge. Lean forward, make eye contact, be relaxed. Tell them you love them during the conversation. That's always a great reminder. 
And then, like we said, don't rush to clarify, though clarifying is important and a mark of a good and great listener. Wait for them to pause or take a breath to ask those questions. We never want to interrupt, even if it's to interrupt with something that'll help us understand better. Pauses in conversations are okay, too. If your child needs to take a moment or if they're disclosing something that might be hard or hurtful, it's okay if there's some silence. That's not a bad thing. Let them take their time to formulate their thoughts and don't rush them into it. And then, of course, if this goes on for minutes, maybe that's a time that you would jump in with a clarifying question. Thank you for the do's and don'ts. They seem like they're small nuances, but I can see how those are very powerful and very impactful. So now that you've given us this really good data, and assuming now we're all going to go out there and be these fantastic listeners, how do we find resources then for our teens? So say our teens are sharing really intimate things that they really are depressed or they're struggling or they don't know how to handle something. What do we do from there? These are great questions, Caroline, and they're complex answers because the help will be different for everyone. Some children just need a good talk. They just needed someone to listen and support them, and they'll be able to move forward themselves. Other people might require the help of a mental health counselor, a psychologist, a therapist. So you should talk to your pediatrician or your allergist and see if there's, they'll be able to recommend great resources in your county and your town that you can easily get to. And they'll always have these kind of recommendations. And then, of course, if they're disclosing anything related to food allergy bullying, definitely get in contact with a school administrator or a school counselor. Or if we're talking about food allergy anxiety or related depression here, you also want to make sure that you're getting a practitioner that has experience of working with the unique needs of children and teens with food allergies. But hopefully your allergist and pediatrician should have recommendations as far as that goes. So now I have a confidentiality question for you. So if our child comes to us and we have this really intense but lovely conversation, what is the protocol then of sharing it with our husband or our partner or the other adult in the household? Am I breaking that child's confidentiality and trust? Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. It's a great question, Caroline, and I think it's going to be situational. I would ask your child or your teen, is this something you feel comfortable with me sharing with dad? Is this something you feel comfortable with me sharing with mom? I wouldn't go outside the partner relationship, and I certainly wouldn't reach out to a school unless you have expressed permission from your child. Of course, you can take the argument that if they're under 18, they don't have these quote-unquote rights. But as far as for someone like me that works in a school, anything that a child or teen discloses to me is confidential. And I do not tell their parents, unless, of course, it's going to bring harm to themselves or another person. So if you're going off the same standards that a clinician might have, a parent is a job. Being a parent is a job. So do you want to have that same kind of confidentiality? Do you want to make sure that your child trusts you and continue to come to you with hard things? I think that that's great, a great question. And I think that if the child's old enough, it's something you could ask them. Do you feel comfortable with me sharing this? And then with that, You as the parent probably know best. If they came to you, they might even say something like, please don't tell dad, please don't tell mom. And you might want to respect that if you're willing to continue to handle the conversation. But if you don't want to leave your spouse or partner out of the loop, you could always say something like, you know, Johnny said something concerning me today. I'm going to work with him through it until he feels comfortable to share it with you. But I just want to let you know in case you see us talking privately or if you see him more down than usual. So there's appropriate ways to keep people in the loop without feeling like you're ruining the integrity of that relationship and whatever your child is close to you. 
Thank you. I was curious about that. So now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about how us parents can be better listeners and to create a safe and healthy environment for communication? Caroline, I would say make the best of the little moments, whether that's the morning drop-off, the afternoon pickup, whether you've gotten during this quarantine time, you've gotten your teen or your child to agree to take a nature walk with you. Do not let those moments go by. It's wonderful to talk about things that are fleeting, but it's also wonderful to talk about things that are deeper. Find out about what's going on with your child. Find out about what they love. Can you name all the things that are really important to them? Ask questions like, what are your top five priorities right now? Or what is the one thing that occupies most of your thoughts these days? Or what are you grateful for? Let's both name 10 things that we're grateful for. There are really creative ways to engage your child in conversation that'll build you closer, especially when they're aging and they're wanting to spend more time with friends than they are a parent. But these little moments and asking questions that show that you put thought into them, everybody, especially teens and children, want to feel like they're known. Children and teens especially feel like they want to be known by their parents. But that starts with conversation. That starts with listening. And when something more important comes up, you will set the right foundation for them to bring it to you. Wonderful. Emery, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show, not only as a guest for our listeners, but also for the education and the information you bring. I personally have been incorporating many of your tips over these last couple of months into our family, and we're seeing positive results. So I will personally thank you as well. But thank you again for your time and your expertise and your energy and your passion. Caroline, thank you so much. I love hearing that. I'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, share, and review our podcast, and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Have a great day, and always be kind to one another. <laughs>